Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, near or far, high or low, you're listening to the Coach D Podcast, the special She Got Game series. I'm with a very special guest. Um, I think a shooter is a understatement, phenomenal player is a understatement in the studio. I have Ace Lynn. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on your podcast. Of course, thank you. And before we even start, just one thing I like to do is just list all of the achievements. And looking at your stats and your accomplishments so far is just absolutely amazing. So for those who don't know, let me just go through the list and take my time with it. Invited to train with the Canadian team in December 2015, once scored 56 points in a single game. I repeat, listeners, once scored 56 points in a single game, earned league MVP honors during all three seasons, number 38 overall prospect at number nine guard in the class of 2016. In college, reached 1,000 points with a step back three at the end of the first quarter, sent a new career mark, scoring seven three-pointers in a single game versus Clemson and the most by a Wolfpack player since 2013 and I actually um, listened in a previous interview you had I believe you scored 14 three-pointers in a game yeah in high school that was the most I went 14 straight and the record um, for my high school league was 16 and I missed my last two <sighs> I know oh. But was there, when you missed your last two, was there like heat checks or you was wide open or you were just feeding it, so I'm gonna just go for the shot? Um, a little bit of all of that, really. Um, okay. I had hit 14 in a row and I took those last two and I missed and we were up by a lot. So my high school coach was like, I gave you a shot. Now it's time to <laughs> come to the bench because we're uh, winning by so much. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Now. Before we even get into it, you being this great shooter and great player, if you could just take us all the way back to your first introduction of basketball and how that experience was for you. Well, I grew up in a basketball family. So my mother and father both played in university, all of my mother's siblings, and my grandfather continues to play in the Masters League. I love that. Um, I love yeah. that. So it was kind of just in my blood. I didn't really have a choice, I feel like. It was just something that was bound to happen eventually. Okay. So um, in terms of coming from a basketball background, um, how was those uh, first couple of sessions? Like, was it kind of like a... What's the was you kind of when you say forced, they was patient with your development in terms of you kind of getting into it? Uh, yeah, they were. They were very excited I was starting, but also I had high expectations. I remember everybody wanted to put me through training all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of running around the whole time, always in workouts <laughs> with my family. Everybody has something to say. Right. I have to stay out of the group chats after <laughs> games because they go a little bit crazy. But um, overall, they've been a huge part of my success through these couple of years. Wow, and uh, what what did that young ace look like when you were growing up in, in terms of, you know, did you have the handle, you know, was you mainly focusing on layups or just, just getting to use to that style of play? Because basketball is quite a quick sport. So how was those early stages for you? Um, it, the first couple of games were pretty funny before I really got into it seriously. There's a funny story of my mom told me anytime somebody holds a ball out in front of them, you should take it. And I was 12 years old and I didn't quite understand the rules of basketball. So a girl was standing out of bounds with the ball in front of her. <laughs> I like this already. Okay. And yeah, and I took it and I did a layup. And <laughs> the ref was so confused as to what happened. Nobody right. said anything. And afterwards we did that. So very raw in the beginning, but Mm -hmm. um, because I was surrounded by such a culture of um, 
basketball and knowledgeable basketball people, um, I think my IQ improved really quickly and it was about developing the game as a whole as opposed to a, a certain aspect of it. Okay, so that means the the because you touched upon it just now, the basketball culture was super huge growing up. Yeah, I mean, I traveled to Australia with my grandfather to watch him play. Uh, He goes to New Zealand, Russia, all of these places. And my aunts all played in the NCAA and my uncle um, played in Canada and won uh, national championships in Canada. So it's just a really big uh, part of our family dynamic as a whole. Nice. I'm I'm even more curious now, um, if I may, what what does that family lineup consist of in in terms of you know like is your uncle and mom's like a point guard then your auntie's like the shooting guard like what what's the uh, family roster looking like for the most part we are point guards and shooting guards um Makes sense. my mom is a shooting guard my uncle was a point guard and then my aunts were all guards my grandfather um is a guard but he shoots his threes with a hook shot because um <laughs> when he played there was no three-point line so uh yeah so he he it's really funny he shoots he only shoots a three like every couple of years but when he does that's a hook shot and somehow (laughs) it manages to go in it's amazing and that's even more unguardable because the hook shot in the post is like unguardable anyway so to to take a hook shot from the three-point line is just like what are you gonna do you know like that is just amazing <laughs> exactly he never gets blocked oh my gosh does that create a dynamic of um you know the you have the um old school heads that will let's say argue you know you should play like this versus the new school heads that think you should be playing basketball like that so what was it that type of dynamic when you were growing up as a player just in 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 terms of how they taught you on how you should be playing basketball well everyone definitely had an opinion um Mm -hmm. and my grandfather did try and teach me the hook shot and he did for a (laughs) while there but as a a combo guard point guard i don't quite get a chance to use it very much anymore but um for the most part my dad um and my uncle and my mother were the driving forces behind my development so they really got um to have a big influence on my game and as i got older and a little bit uh, more talented the rest of my family just decided to enjoy watching me as opposed to trying to coach me okay oh so when did you because it's one thing to go into it because your parents have a love for the sport but when did you find your love for the sport um, I think I always loved basketball because I was around it and it was just something my family did. But I did start in soccer. So ah, okay. I played soccer up until I decided to switch to basketball, partly because I wasn't as skilled and I my parents didn't want to be in the rain anymore. So we decided okay. to switch <laughs> to an indoor sport. Understood. Yeah, they came to me and they told me, um, you know, we're not sitting in the rain anymore. You have to find a new sport. And <laughs> I was pretty much okay with it. And the natural selection was basketball. And because of that foundation I grew up with, um, the love of it was already there. And the determination and competitiveness was something that was able to grow very quickly. Okay. So was you, because um, like over here you can kind of pick and choose um how competitive the level is for yourself was you kind of thrown into a very competitive league from the start or you kind of built up to that um because i was in constant development with my family it was a pretty quick escalation to higher competition i did start in uh, you know rec leagues and uh just playing with regular girls who were doing it for fun but very quickly it transitioned into a competitive AU and all of those things so I think within two years of me starting to take it seriously I was playing on a fairly high level wow wow and that kind of leads me to your next stage you know I'll speak with a few players and we kind of share that feeling of it's 
one thing you know to be playing and you've got the high school name across your chest or you've got a borough or a district but to have the actual nation country across your chest must just feel completely amazing and how did that even come about for you to be um selected to even train and play as a member of the Canadian national team? I started playing with the Canadian national team when I was 14, so two years okay. later, and I reached out to them initially. They didn't, I didn't follow the normal channels of getting to the national team because we have provincial teams, um, which represents our provinces, and that's usually where they pick their girls up from. But because I'd never played on that provincial team, I took a little bit of a different route, and I contacted them personally and said I was interested and I would like to come. And they invited me to a tryout and um, I made the team. I was younger, it was a U16 team. I was one of the two youngest um, there and we went to uh, Cancun to play in the FIBA Americas. Right. And I've been playing ever since now. I am part of the pool of senior women's uh, team who uh, will be selected from to go to the olympics that is awesome wow hey fingers fingers crossed i just hope all goes well for your development and even training at that level what were some of those first sessions like and and how did you make those adjustments to fit into that type of system and level of play it was definitely very different from what I was used to. The international stage is faster, um, plays a little bit different, less sets, more um, fluid motions. Mm. So learning to play without really having a play call, without doing this and go, being able to play a motion offense out of transition was something uh, that I struggled with at first because I wasn't in the, playing as long as most of these girls. But um, by the time that I actually was able to get on the floor, I found that, um, you know, the way that the game is played overseas and internationally is um, a lot of fun, very fast paced, a lot of scoring. And, um, you know, I think it played a big role in my development into college and the way I played later on in my career. Okay. And could you just elaborate a bit on because you said um, at that international level it's less kind of on sets and just more just like a flow of the game why mm -hmm. do you mean that um well if you were to watch me in college and high school we have play calls whereas on the canadian national team it's a motion offense so you really are just reading defense there's no real uh play call unless it's a specific um call after a timeout and you run into this motion and you're supposed to read and play and it's more fluid and I find that that is a very exciting way to play because um, it really enhances um, your skill and the, the team's chemistry so I feel that that overall was part of a big part of my success being able to play both in that fluid motion at, over in overseas games as well as having that basis of foundation for sets here in America. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's an interesting insight but then that gives me the impression that I mean obviously playing at that level the IQ is extremely high because in order for something like that to be fluid everyone needs to be on the same page and making the right reads and stuff so it sounds like you have some awesome teammates with you as well oh for sure be the best part of playing especially on the senior women's national team is that i get to learn from uh women who are 10 years my senior who have been playing for a very long time and that chance to play against them in practice and put in games and then learn from them is um priceless right i bet so you was wow yeah so you was competing internationally before stepping into college correct i was yes okay so was that um would you say you was in some cases one step ahead just in in terms of iq skills fundamentals going into your rookie season playing at nc state or was it the complete opposite uh, I found that 
my IQ was um, a little bit more developed, whether it was only from the national team or also from the fact that I come from a family of basketball people. Um, I'm not quite sure, but it definitely did that. Although, you know, the physicality of college basketball, the speed in the ACC in particular is um, definitely challenging. And I had to develop that um, when I came in in my rookie season, I did feel as though my IQ was um, on par with what I needed to be to be successful. Okay, understood, understood. So would you say, is there anything looking back now, like what's what's some of the things that they kind of tell you to expect from competing at the collegiate level versus some of the stuff that you kind of had to find out on the fly that you wasn't necessarily told to be made aware of? Um, on the collegiate level, I would say the thing you always hear is, um, you know, you have to compete and you have to um, be ready to play a certain role that you might be different like might be different from what you're coming into. I was used to being the all-star player and all the plays are run through me. And I came into a situation where I had four very good seniors um, who were starting and I uh, had to take a sixth man role so that okay. I could continue to, with the chemistry, didn't disrupt the chemistry, um, was able to do that. And that's something that um, you hear a lot about, but you don't quite understand until you get there and you're in it. And the biggest part of learning to do your role is not trying to overwork yourself to play out of it, really. Mm. You can define your own destiny in basketball by working hard, obviously, but there are also things on the floor that matter, such as chemistry with the team and that, and disrupting that can be um, really detrimental to the success of the team. And I think understanding the balance between trying to achieve your goals, but also putting the team's goals uh, on that same level is something I really had to learn once I got there. Okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way you said six man, I can I can tell maybe at first when you was given that role, you was like, I usually don't play the six man, but okay, this is gonna be something new until obviously later on, you, you kind of learned the skills and the preparation and the responsibilities that it takes to be a six man because I can just tell from people from the outside looking in they'll hear the six man as think oh they come off the bench well in actuality coming off the bench and keeping that same rhythm that same tone offensively defensively is a, a big part for the player but also the team yeah, absolutely. I think um, that second wave of players that come in, I actually played the same amount of time as the starters. Okay. And that's something that people uh, don't really see that, don't really notice with the six man. The six man is getting significant playing time, usually. Right, They're right. the first sub. They are um, a, usually a trusted player. So uh, being able to come off the bench and can maintain the momentum or even change momentum in your favor is, was a huge part of my role that year and um, something that I didn't quite understand the value of until I was in that position. Okay. See, I can just tell, and this, that's one thing I absolutely love that um, I guess I, I wish it was more uh, what's the word? More consistent and evident here in London but one thing I absolutely love about the makeup of basketball over in the States is that they not just tell you how to play as a athlete but how to carry yourself as an athlete because you are a role model for the younger generation coming up and for yourself how were you finding being that role model being that person who you know players will be coming up to you for advice and asking you things and kind of looking at you as that role model how have you kind of uh developed and transitioned into that type of position well at nc state we have lots of opportunities to interact with fans and okay. especially young athletes so it was something that you're naturally put into and through the love of the game, it is e really easy to make those connections with people. And um, the 
fan base at North Carolina State is absolutely amazing. Everybody wants to say their fan base is the best in the nation, but I truly, <laughs> truly believe. Yes, I truly believe it. Um, you know, they're they are always there. So it makes it really easy when uh, they're always supporting you and for you to turn around and do the same. So in those opportunities that I have to interact with, especially the young and up and coming players, I really take pride in the fact that they are coming to me and I have a chance to inspire potentially go out and break all of my records and to do the things that I've done. So that is just something that um, by being in such a wonderful culture at NC State really develops on its own and uh, something that I really take pride in having the opportunity to do. What's the most, because um, getting used to that type of environment, a shout out to all the um, NC State fans, um, <laughs> what's the energy like? Because we know it's it's one thing to make that free throw when you're at home, when they're cheering you on, when the crowd is shouting defense, it just makes you lock in and really focus that much more. How are you as a player and what have you learned about yourself when you're playing away from home and yes the energy is just as high but it's a little bit different it's kind of like you know miss brick or you know she can't guard you like like how how are you and your teammates in that type of um hostile environment uh when you get into a situation like that where you are and in the acc there are plenty of them as i went to north carolina state i played at um unc but also cameron pavilion at duke with the cameron crazies and it's a really amazing opportunity and experience because you do it's exciting to be cheered on but it's also exciting to be cheered against it's that underdog feel it's Mm. um kind of that fire that gets lit underneath you a little bit that you know i'm gonna prove them wrong and i think that the best way to overcome those things it's really hard to do on your own especially if you're not having a great game and i've had my fair share of those um we all have i can yeah concur on that for sure i mean maybe not on the highest platform as yourself but something similar (laughs) yes of course i mean it doesn't matter what platform you are we all take pride in the way we play so especially in those games where you aren't quite playing up to your capabilities the chemistry of the team is super important i think when your team can come together in those moments it becomes really fun and exciting a great example was this last season at duke we were down um in cameron pavilion and we weren't hitting shots and a senior who had been injured who had been starting the year before but now had to come off the bench came in and had an unbelievable finish to the game she hit three threes in a row and basically won the game for us and the way it silences the gym oh i love that all of it like i have chills (laughs) i love that feeling i I didn't even get to hit the shots but (laughs) just being in that moment with my team and pulling for her i think i assisted on two of them it was so exciting (laughs) <laughs> and the way the gym quiets, your fans erupt. It's just absolutely amazing. And I, as much as I love Reynolds Coliseum, having those moments in other um, gyms is irreplaceable. I mean, being in that type of it's it's almost like you're in a trance. And I'm curious to get your take on. I mean, I'm a shooter myself, and I've kind of had moments where I'm just in the but for yourself when you hit four five six in a row where maybe the outside are looking in and uh, whether that's they're highlighting the fact that you're in the zone or they're looking at is she going to miss her next shot or make it for yourself when you're in that zone can you even describe what it's like and are you even thinking about making the next shot am I gonna miss the next shot like what does it feel like Um, Because shooting is basically my job uh, as a whole, it really boils down to my job is to shoot the ball. Um, For me, I believe every shot is going in because Mm -hmm. if I didn't believe that, there would be no point in me shooting the ball. Um, So I and I have had as many games as I've had six, seven, three as I have had games where I have couldn't buy a shot. Everything was coming off wrong. Yeah. And it was and, you know, I continue to shoot and something that our family says a lot in our household is shooters shoot. 
Right. That's what you do. So if you have to think about it, you shouldn't be shooting. And it's really trusting in that preparation um, and what you've done before and then believing in yourself and in every shot that kind of allows you to do that. So it does become kind of a mindset of it doesn't matter whether or not it goes in. I am good enough. I must I have to shoot it when it's open. I have to shoot it when it's the right shot. So I don't quite think about the outcome as much as uh, the preparation leading up to that. Mm-hmm. And, well, I just need to take a minute to take that one into the truth. <laughs> like, it's one thing being a shooter, and then it's another thing being a great shooter. I think for me, I would kind of distinguish the two just in terms of, and you even um, spoke upon it, in terms of the preparation, the mindset, you know, your family motto, shoot, shoot, but also knowing when to take those shots so when did you become aware of not just that you're a good shooter but you started to find your favorite spots on the court because every shooter has their favorite spots whether it's the corner three foul line extended at the top like when did you start to when did your game kind of elevate to the next level of you being this great shooter Um, I was always a very good uh, catch and shoot shooter just simply because that's what we practice all the time. But where I really found my niche was off the dribble, off the screen, off of step backs. I mean, I Mm -hmm. hit my thousandth point off a step back. Come on now, in style, (laughs) in style. Yes, yes. And so I even, I have uh, friends of the family who make jokes that I actually shoot better from a step back than I do from a step back. And they joke and they and I have like they go, You're the only person I know who shoots better from a step back than a regular (laughs) shot. And it's kind of a running joke in my uh circle. But I think that as the game became more aware of my ability to shoot, especially once you get to college where they're scouting you, they know your entire game, being able to be fluid to shoot. Um, quickly off of dribbles, off of screens was something that um, was really important to my success. And that's kind of where I found my niche and um, really started to excel in. Do you, um, I'm going to get just just for like a quick 30 seconds, get a little bit nerdy with, with um, some of the details of shooting. Are you, um, are you the kind of a rhythm shooter where you're not really focusing on you know, where your feet are um, on the catch, elbow, follow through, or are you the opposite where you actually focus on those details and you're conscious of when you miss a shot, what exactly went off? I'm the latter. I am a very technical shooter. I okay. My, okay. my dad is a perfectionist. So when I began to uh, practice shooting on at a high level, it was always left, right, um, feet have to be a certain width apart, hands, and as I've gotten better, I can definitely shoot um, in more fluidity, I can shoot and change my footwork, I can do those things and still be effective, but um, when I'm very focused and doing that, I am trying to do my technical left, right, hold your follow through high, eyes on the back of the rim, all of that. Right, right, and did the step back did you add that to the arsenal because, I don't know, it was because of you wasn't creating enough space or you was getting blocked or it was just something that you just wanted, that you just naturally progressed into? Um, that was just something as the game began to get faster, I needed to um, add more weapons to my arsenal of shooting and that uh, I because of the tech, how technical I am with my shot, it was really easy to transition into that. So um, in high school, in the AU circuit, when I really started to um, grow into my own as somebody who was considered a very good shooter, that was just the natural progression of uh, my development. Okay, see, when you say step back, I automatically think of James Harden. <laughs> But um, it's, it's not quite on that level yet. Right. But I'm getting I there. I think. Yeah, there we go, Ace. It's coming. It's it's coming. Yes. I don't That's think. The next step. I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, the the step back, especially James Harden's level, and where some argue, well, how come it's not a travel? Like I think KD said it best uh, in a podcast. He was saying what most people don't realize is it's not like he's gaining a advantage 
by creating space. He's actually taken a step back into a tougher shot. You know, so from where he is to, to do a step back and take it even further back is extremely difficult. But hats off for you. I mean, your <laughs> 1,000 point, just doing it in style is just, oh man, absolutely <laughs> amazing. Now, playing at NC State, if we can peel it back a little bit, what was that um, recruiting process like for you in terms of was it a difficult decision picking NC State or um, like what made you want to play for that program? Well, originally I had no idea who North Carolina State was. Um, I am from Vancouver, Canada, and on our TVs we would get Pac-12, which is like UW, uh, uh, UCLA, all of those, and Big Ten, so Michigan State, all of those, we get games like that. Right. And I had never seen NC State on anything before, so when originally I got the letter, I was confused. I didn't know, I thought they were uh, a mid-major school. I didn't think that they were this big uh, university, and I always find that so funny because it ended up being, um, you know, where I went, but I took two official visits, and we they that's where they pay for everything and my right. two official visits were to Stanford which is was my um, dream school as a kid growing up right. and then NC State and I went to Stanford and it just blew me away I mean I'm sure most people even if you have never been to the United States have seen uh, pictures of it or things yeah, in movies campus, or stuff yeah, yes yeah. it's beautiful the weather is amazing the buildings mm -hmm. are gorgeous all those things and I was um, there on my official and it blew me away but then and I was like thinking you know how is NC State going to be better than this this is my dream school I then went to NC State and I only stayed there for 36 hours instead of the 48 year allotted. And oh. within hours of me getting there, I knew that NC State was the place I should be. And it was wow. just this feeling. So I went home afterwards and I was trying to be the good uh, student and write down all the pros and cons <laughs> on this big board right. and I was doing it and very quickly it became apparent that NC State was just outranking Stanford in all of these categories for me and so I was still trying to find to a way to make it because it was I was trying to make it even because it didn't quite make sense how easy it was right. and my dad came behind me and said I don't know why you're wasting your time. You already know where you're supposed to go. <laughs> right, right. And so I looked at him. I looked down at my paper. I threw my paper out and then I called Coach Moore at NC State and I committed. And it just felt right. And it was the beginning of the most exciting adventure of my life. Nice. I bet. I bet. And is there any, um, any things that you was looking for on a whole, just in terms of not just um, NC State, but kind of taking that step from high school to college was there any criteria you was looking for that you made sure that these programs offered you um what the like three major points were were um somewhere that i could be happy living right. because i was going to be there for four years and even if basketball doesn't go through if something happens and you can't play basketball you're still living there and you have to be happy right um right the next one was my relationship with the coach and the playing style of the coach. I needed to feel as though I could be successful um, underneath the style. And then finally was an opportunity to build a legacy. I mean, mm -hmm. that's something that you don't always get at every school. Certainly places like UConn, which are very, very good, but they have that legacy already built up. Right. They have this history and you can be a part of it, but you don't necessarily get the opportunity to help build it. And mm. that's something that I found NC State offered me like no other school was a chance to build something really amazing. And that is exactly what we did in the, my four years there. So you're, you're a fan of the journey towards greatness or those achievements as up as opposed to already going to a program that's already kind of built that legacy if that makes sense yeah of course i think that being able to be a part of something 
as it is being built in from the ground up is really exciting and despite the fact i would have loved to um, win a championship every single year as opposed to just my senior year and um and the overall NCAA championship would be amazing to right. say what you would be able to do at say Notre Dame or UConn or those places I really wanted to be a part of building something to um, really so make sure that what I did on that team mattered so that I would work hard every single day because it was bigger than just myself right right and what's I'm curious is there any um, major differences just in terms of what the basketball culture is like in Canada versus the states or are they pretty much the same would you say um I think that overall the basketball is fairly similar but the difference is the amount of support that goes into it and the culture behind sports as a whole in the United States is unparalleled um you know it's all of the whole culture of the United States is about competition and um like the American dream quote unquote um where it is about working hard and winning and all these things and so they put a lot into their sports and just the funding and the support that you get um in the United States is uh, immeasurable in comparison to Canada okay okay shout out to my family over there in Canada when I was there a couple (laughs) of years ago in uh Mississauga and oh man absolutely loved it but that's a different podcast for another show but um back to the topic at hand um what was if I can say just in terms of you know people know that you are a effective shooter what is a skill do you reckon that people are sleeping on that they don't actually realize that you also bring this to the table also um i think that it would be my ability to command the floor um mm-hmm. oftentimes you don't really notice it unless you're on the team where you're somebody who's paying attention to it but uh i do have a steadying presence on the floor when we have something that my coach said that was extremely flattering to me is that i'm his security blanket when okay. anything is going wrong, <laughs> I like, I like when that. things are, yeah, I, it was un, like, some people think, oh, well, that's kind of a weird compliment. But for me as a point guard, as somebody who's supposed to be an extension of him on this the court, right. yeah, that is uh, the highest compliment he could pay me. And um, when something is going wrong, when the tempo is changing, when those things, uh, we need a big shot, that is when I am able to step up and kind of push the momentum in the way we need to go and I think that's something that is overlooked on a whole in basketball like the mm-hmm. leadership capabilities of players right. um, but I was lucky to be in a situation where my coach really valued that and me and helped me um, really flourish in that area of my game Was that something you had earlier even before playing for NC State or is that something you just kind of built up over the years as you played um I in high school and AAU it was very much of the same I usually was on underdog teams in AAU we ended up being fairly good we were sponsored by Adidas by the time that we finished but um when I started out, we were considered the scrub team. We showed up in the kind of those meshy reversibles. Oh yeah, to games. <laughs> yeah, those. the yep. ones that yep. <laughs> the ones that you know uh, are usually used as like practice uniforms. Right, we showed right. up in those to games, and um, you know I had front bangs and braces, and my team was all <laughs> short. <laughs> And we were playing against girls in like brand new Nikes and like oh, like single sided jerseys, and I was wearing like Converse weapons, <laughs> and and you know nobody expected us to be very good, right. but we ended up because of the dedication that team put in and the amount of work, uh, we ended up being fairly good. So I was always in a role of leadership growing up, and even into high school, that was still my role. Um, so, but it definitely did become such a prominent part of my personality as a basketball player until I got to college where it really mattered in the grand scheme of winning and losing whether or not I showed up in that particular part of my game mm-hmm. and as a player where you have so many um, 
players to kind of get a little bit of inspiration from and study in the current position that you're in what are or who are some of the players that you look up to and you kind of emulate your game after and study really closely if there is any well definitely in the women's side of the game as a point guard and a shooting guard i look to subert and diana tarazi they're just yep, amazing and the that's pinnacle goats. yes yep, talk the about it. pinnacle of success um and almost nearing on perfection of the game um yep. and the female side that's somebody i really look forward to watching and um hopefully eventually learning from but in the men's side i i really growing up my favorite player was magic johnson i just oh, absolutely back. okay <laughs> yes. ace i see you okay <laughs> i was not expecting that but you talk about one of these young rookies coming up okay <laughs> I am I am locked in now. Please expound. <laughs> yeah, expound. Uh, just his, the way he had fun with the game, the way he uh, competed. That was something that growing up I didn't have the opportunity to watch growing up because unfortunately I was before my time. No, but, likewise, uh, likewise. Yes, this is true. Yeah, but something that I spend a lot of time going on YouTube and watching and doing those things, and then. Um, you know, in that same era, the work ethic and fight of like Larry Bird and those things. And I obviously, I, I saw those Converse weapons. They were the Larry Bird edition. <laughs> right. They were the black and green and white ones. Tell and em. I lost my mind. Tell em, tell em. And they, they were the heaviest shoe. Like <laughs> LeBron James shoes are heavy, but yeah. add like two pounds to Jeez. LeBron James shoes. But I love that era of basketball and just everything that the Larry the era of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and those players brought to the game that I needed to have them so I wore them until they like ripped apart in the end so <laughs> I think in my early years that had a really big influence on the way I approached the game that is I love that I love that because <laughs> it's you know I mean even I learn a lot um from watching the last dance because you know in conversations you would always hear yeah you know back in the 80s and 90s the game was physical and i used to kind of just take it on the chin okay it was physical but after seeing uh -huh. mj get hit with an <laughs> elbow i'm like this ain't even basketball no more this is just straight up mma like ufc type but yeah and for you to even say that like, you admire how they played back then what are some of the things that you're kind of taking from that style of play and you're adding it into your game now whether it's the physicalness or just the playing style of magic like what are some of the things that you're kind of taking as gems um i would think of the unpredictability of magic johnson his ability to manipulate the game and his um you know he was <laughs> a, basically a post playing point guard this is it and and you know the way he was had fun with it. I feel like out of all of the players I've watched, and there's so many fantastic players out there, he was one of the most exciting and fun to watch. And just because you never knew what he was going to do. And I think that um, unpredictability was some, and that fun that he took with the game was something that I really wanted to add in. Because at the end of the day, this is still a game. It might be my this job, so but true. I should still have fun with it, or why am right, I doing it? Right. And then. Right. As far as Larry Bird, it was definitely just his compete and his fire. I mean, you see those pictures of him diving for the ball right before he dashes yeah. his face on the ground. And it's just that dedication to uh, the game and all of that that I really would like to continue to emulate as far as I can into my career. Now, I'm speaking to not just a great shooter, not just a fan of Magic. Johnson um I'm actually speaking to a champion now before we get into the celebrations <laughs> and we pop champagne if you can just peel it back of it and if you could just talk us through you know what the goal was you know with the teammate and the coaches at the beginning of the season to the natural you know ups and downs that you guys face like what are some of the things that people don't realize that you guys had to go through where they just see you guys holding up the trophy and doing all the post-game interviews. What are some of the th things that the fans and the people don't see behind the scenes that got you guys to that point? Um, you know, 
our goal coming into that season was we want to win ACC championship. We want to go to the final four. And that was something we manifested basically from the beginning of the season, from our very first meeting, that was the first topic on the docket. We are going to go to an ACC championship. We are going to win. This is the goal. If we fall short of this goal, we did succeed in this season. So that was kind of just a part of our everyday lives. Every day, whenever we were feeling down, coach would point up to the Raptors and say, don't you want your Mm -hmm. team to be up there? Don't you want this? Isn't it worth it? I like this coach. Isn't it worth it? So um, that was it. But also the year before we had had um, a bunch of seniors go down with injuries, uh, rising seniors or seniors already who were getting time back. And... um, those players, Erica Cassell, Grace Hunter, mm-hmm. uh, Kayla um, Ely, she, they all were a huge part of what happened behind the scenes because they had all been starting at some point in their career. Injuries right. took them off of that, but they were became the real backbone of the team. And, you know, despite the fact they, I'm sure, is very disappointed about, you know, what happened in their roles and how it diminished, they really were the driving force behind our determination our success they were always there cheering they were always there um, encouraging people making sure people were on track and mm-hmm. i think that that core group of my senior teammates who um graduated with me who weren't able to impact the floor the way they wanted would made our success possible with what they did off the floor and we couldn't have done it without them so now speeding it up a bit to those last seconds on the clock or like how what was that feeling like until the buzzer sounded and it was you know from planning it from the first session to now to actually knowing and feeling that we actually won this thing what was the energy what was that feeling like because it it must have been through the roof I mean, that game was back and forth the whole game. Mm -hmm. Florida State is a wonderful team, a wonderfully coached team, had lots of great scorers and players on that team. And, you know, it just so happened that uh, plays went our way and their chances didn't quite go their way. And, uh, you know, overall the game, it went by in a blur. Like, I don't really remember all of the things. I remember some moments, like maybe when I hit a big shot or they hit a big shot I remember those but overall the game just went by in a blur and by the time the buzzer went off it was almost this feeling of disbelief that we actually did it we're here it it happened and um you know and it's a whirlwind of uh we're in a like a dog pile and celebrating and confetti is coming down and um it it still feels surreal i mean i have my mvp trophy here in my room and mm. the the net from Spotlight that game right sitting here oh, man. Oh, beautiful. yeah and beautiful. every time i look at it it almost feels like it didn't actually happen right. so just like the fact that we were able to pull something from um a goal that was set months and months before and we were able to accomplish it as a team and in that moment it was just absolutely amazing so how does one after winning especially at that level how does one as a player and what have you seen from your team just in terms of okay reset you know the shot clock and the scoreboard has been reset to zero zero fresh season how does one reset and look at goals past this if that makes sense after winning it all um well we at that time we still did know that the NCAA tournament wasn't going to happen so our next we operate as if our season is in four separate seasons so preseason regular season ACC tournament and NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. so for we were preparing up for this next thing. That was another part of the goals that we had set in the very beginning. We're going to go to a final four. We're going to get over this sweet, sweet 16 hub that we've been on for the last two years. Um, and it unfortunately did not happen. And that was heartbreaking uh, because we really felt like we had an opportunity and momentum. But as far as next year, um, I have 
had the opportunity to host a video series uh, with NC State where I've talked to returning players and freshmen about what the goals are, what they're doing. And and the consensus is run it back. We're going to do it again. I like it. So I'm super excited to be able to watch that. Hopefully, uh, you know, I will be able to watch them at the NCAA tournament next year doing the things that we could not do because of uh, Corona. But I have no doubt that they're going to just continue on this momentum. Indeed. Indeed. And on this uh, Run It Back series where you are a host, is it? Uh, Well, no, it's called Off the Court. Okay. Um, and it's on Pack Women's Basketball Instagram as well as my um, as well as my website acecoding.com but uh, yeah it was just an opportunity for me to stay kind of involved in um, in what's happening in NC State with the fans and everything and then kind of highlight the program for the fans in a light that we're not just athletes we're people this is what we do on our off time these are our our uh you know hobbies we're just with like for a lot of them uh, are still kids they're coming into their own turning 18 this year heading to college so right, uh, right. it was just a wonderful opportunity to kind of be able to do that and you know also work on um potentially maybe one day me going into broadcasting or whatever might be in the future a good uh repertoire for me to kind of pull from indeed and how are you uh growing into that new role as something still basketball related but kind of just you're playing a different position how are you finding that oh it it's different and interesting it's really just a pastime before i head to switzerland um, to play in august but um i really enjoy being able to have conversations especially um conversations like this where you know it's really natural and you really get to know people so again thank you for letting me be on here it's wonderful and that opportunity to also talk to those girls the ones that are coming in my friends all of these people was is awesome but really it's kind of passing the time until i can get back on the court understood and i think we are we are all itching i'm i'm at this point just just begging to get back on the court because it's quite funny i um was able to get some shots up before I'm um, here in London. They've um taken the rims down as like a sign you should not be outside. But you know, like I'm I'm sure you've gone through it where you know you've taken a little two week break and you're confident. So you get a ball, hit up a gym, you take your first shot and you miss completely. I'm like, wait a minute, has it been that? L-? Okay, let me start with some layups and just 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 get warm that way. It's just. Oh man, I was. I feel like it either goes one of two ways: either you can't hit a shot, or you hit everything, and you just think you're like a god. Like... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh my goodness! And um, just before we wrap up, I mean, we've already spoken about one highlight of you winning it all. Like, is there any other highlights that stand out to you? Um. I mean, I hold a world record uh, for threes made in a game in uh, FIBA World Juniors. I hit mm. 10 in a game against Latvia. Mm. I yeah. watched those highlights. I watched those highlights <laughs> and it was just... Uh, like, like if I ask, like, oh, you don't understand. Like, as a, as a, as a coach, there is, there is nothing more better where either you run a play and it is run to perfection and you just, and you just sit down on the bench like oh, okay now i can relax <laughs> put my feet up and it's just what like those highlights where you was going off if i was your coach i would have just been like relaxed okay at, at this point i'm just making sure players are getting <laughs> tired and just you know but oh man like you was going off in that game but yeah for- well Carly Clark was my coach at that point, and she basically said, you're such a good shooter, I don't care. You can shoot whenever you want, because even your rebounds are good. (laughs) So even if you miss, we're going to get a good rebound, so just keep shooting. And she kind of put that game in my hands, and I was uh, fortunate to be able to step up for that one. And, I mean, being a shooter isn't easy. So for those who don't see the countless hours not just when you, not just when you're making those big shots and free throws when everyone is watching but making those shots when no one is watching when it's just literally you and the court so just like how much time effort practice ups and downs do you 
go through and are still going through to be this player that you are today? Well, basketball at this point has become not just a game, but a lifestyle. And, mm-hmm. you know, I it's something I, I do every day. I'm working out every day, multiple times a day. I actually, um, you know, after this call, a couple hours after, I'm heading to a workout um, nice. with, with one of the trainers I work with. And, uh, you know, it's just something that um, has become so ingrained into my who I am as a person as well as my life that you know it's an everyday thing and I'm constantly working and trying to be better and which makes it really easy because you know I love it and I get at the end of the day I'm getting paid to play a game and uh, I'm super fortunate and blessed to be in this position in my life and what are some of the things that you I don't know do you have a routine like when you step on the court and you list your sneakers do you go with form shooting first do you bounce the ball three times do you smell the ball get a feel for the court like what are some of the little nerdy things that even I do when I step on the court sometimes well it actually for me starts in the locker room I this isn't like something that I need to like do but it's kind of a comfort thing I always put my left sock on and then my right sock and then my left shoe and then my right shoe okay and I, I don't know how it came about but I think it's because I'm a left right uh, shooter uh, so my left foot always comes muscle first. memory <laughs> yes I like it. I so like it. I that's just kind of some a funny thing that I always do I mean I don't have to take my shoes off if I don't do it like that but it is a comfort thing right. um, and then I tuck my left I tuck my left short because uh into my spandex because I think that's also another compulsory thing we're like preparing my left leg right, so that right. I can shoot Right. And then when I get on the court, I do form shooting both right and left-handed. Mm-hmm. And then and then I go into like my around-the-world shooting of jumpers, uh, one dribble jumpers, and then threes. And as long as I have enough time, I'm usually up there about an hour extra uh, before the game to get all of nice. that done. But yeah, the one funny thing I do is I do do form shooting with my left hand where I'm shooting with my left hand. So if you know if I ever have an injury in my right hand, I'm still deadly, you know? Right. That is it. That is it. And if there's anything that you would like to change, just in terms of how well you were introduced to the sport very well, not just in terms of having Mm -hmm. the facilities, but having a family that supported you. Um, Is there anything that you've seen that you would like to see change just in terms of how girls are introduced into basketball? Um, you know, I think it really comes down to the visibility of female athletes in the mm-hmm. sport. Um, and, you know, not just as athletes, but as people. I think that's something that sometimes girls struggle with, especially as they're uh, coming into their own as women, right. is balancing the femininity of their personality and the aggressiveness of the sport itself. And right. I think it's important that we showcase female athletes both on the floor, which is beginning to improve immensely. I mean, I remember when I was growing up, you could not catch a women's basketball game on any TV show anywhere. Right. I mean, I don't think in my entire um, youth before I really started to look, go and search out opportunities to watch women's basketball on TV um, that I ever saw any. So that's obviously improving. Um, you know, my games were broadcasted on even in Canada a lot for uh, people back home. But um, also showcasing athletes, the female athletes as people, that you can also be a feminine girl, or this you can be you can be who you want to be outside of the sport and not have to sacrifice your personality to be an athlete. Because I right. think a lot of girls are choosing to be. They embrace their personality at the expense of the sport because they think that they can't balance the two and you really can I mean I all of my teammates always have their nails done they have eyelashes right. you know some of them wear makeup to play and right. that doesn't make them any less of a fantastic player they're still playing on some of the biggest stages in the world so right. I think it's really just the visibility of female athletes as a whole that I wish would continue to grow and media especially Right, right. And the final one out of all the sports, I don't like to be biased, but to me, basketball is the best sport in the whole world. But that's just me being biased. Like, for yourself, like, why is basketball so important to you? Um, I, It definitely stems from being around it my whole life. And 
that just the love of it through watching my family do it and kind of the love they had for it was a huge role of it. But as I've grown older and kind of come into my own and been able to experience it from my own perspective, I think it is just the opportunity to um, express myself in a way that is my own in every uh, aspect of it. I mean, you play on a team and you have a coach, but when you step on that floor, it really comes down to who you are at that moment. And I think that has been the most important part of me growing into the woman I am today. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I just want to say, Aislinn, thank you so much for your time. Literally, every single time I um, see you play now, even at the Olympic level, and I see you open, I'm just going to stand up, hold the three sign, and be like, That's, that is good money. That is good money. Count that in. So, guys, this is myself and Aislinn signing out.